This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello and welcome to the Territory Story Podcast. I'm Leon Logan-Nathan and with me, my co-host, Peter Gowers. How was that, mate? That was wonderful. It's very formal. <laughs> I loved it. I could, I could hear you maybe on the ABC or something now. <laughs> well, after the last effort, mate, I thought I'd better try a bit harder. <laughs> well, you'd think after this long you'd have the name of the uh, podcast correct, but there's, there's often a lot of things shooting through your mind at this stage. So I well, let me perhaps give you an explanation for that, Pete. Yep. Uh, as you know, you know, we have our... Um, guests give mm. us a video clip promoting the podcast, right? Yep. And I find that it happens with alarming frequency that some of our guests say, <laughs> and I'll be your next guest on the Territory podcast. Ah, <laughs> so, yes, true. So it's kind of got in my head and I yep. think that's, that's what happened the other day. Yep. So. And, uh, and I know the one that we recorded before that, that's exactly what the guest did say. <laughs> so so it actually it entered my mind as you were saying, uh, I could forgive that. So nowadays, uh, when I send out the uh, the text message to the guest asking for the video, I yeah. I, 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 I uh, preface it with a uh, "Could you please say territory story podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> and in saying that, the the other um, the other one is if they don't say territory podcast, they often say territory stories podcast, which I also get. But because it's an individual story. Yeah. It's actually technically Territory Story Podcast, but sometimes I think we get a bit more pedantic about our own name than other people do. Yes, which is something that's I, I know that's a little bit foreign to you. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't irk me as much as it irks you. <laughs> that is very All true. All right. So... Um, Mate, I have to declare a conflict of interest uh, for the next uh, guest I'm going to introduce you to and our audience. Um, He comes all the way from Copenhagen in Denmark. It's been a little while since we had an LAW guest on the podcast. I can't Mm -hmm. actually recall who the last one was. Oh, it was Nick Gowers. Yeah, Nick and Hallie. Sorry, Nick Gowen. Nick Gowen. Gowen, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Nick Gowers, I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so this particular guest, um, I met him f- for the first time in 2007 on a cruise on Lake Luzerne in Switzerland. Wow. And, uh, of all places? Of all places. And uh, he's a lawyer in a, in a law firm called uh, Sonderby's in Copenhagen. And we kind of we kind of hit it off there, but it wasn't until I think around two thousand and fourteen or two thousand and thirteen when um, I had the enormous privilege of going to Denmark, uh, and I took my wife and. I hang out with him. He will talk about that and that experience because that was an experience and a half. And then we caught up again in Hong Kong the following year, 2014, mm. uh, uh, when he brought his um, his uh, other half 
to a conference there, a, a little executive committee meeting. And that also was an interesting experience. So yeah, look, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of stories we'll, we'll have about this, but um, we'll bring the fanfare to an end and let me introduce to you <laughs> and uh, to our listeners, a very good friend of mine, Anders Stoltenberg. Welcome to the podcast, Anders. Thank you, Leon. Thank you. Welcome, Anders. And uh, you, you may or may not know this, but uh, your surname is uh, quite well known in Australian circles because we, uh, we had a former tennis player with the same surname as yours. I know, I, 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 know, I know that, actually. Not that I'm very interested in sports or particularly in tennis, but uh, I, I, that detail, I, I had come across that detail mm. some years ago. That's right. Yeah. We, we all come from Germany originally, so <laughs> perhaps he <Okay>. does too. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, Anders, I think our guests will be, uh, or our listeners, I should say, would be very, very um, interested to hear from you because it's not often that we have a, a Dane on the podcast. So, for the benefit of our listeners, tell us your story. Where, where were you born and um, how did you end up being where you are now? I'm I'm an I'm a native Danish person, although I told you before that uh, we all come from Germany. But my surname is German, and if I go back long enough, I find German ancestors. Uh, but um, no, I'm I was born here in, in Denmark, not in Copenhagen, and I actually don't live in Copenhagen. I have my office address in in Copenhagen, which is the capital of Denmark. Uh, I'm 57 years old, and uh, and uh, have been working as a lawyer for more than 30 years now and uh, living outside Copenhagen in the countryside uh, where I have a, a big house together with my, my better half as you, uh, to use your own phrase. And, uh, and, uh, and therefore I, I travel to Copenhagen or, and I've been uh, working in and out of Copenhagen in several different law, firm, law firms over the time. Uh, I've been sitting behind this desk where I am now for the last 15 years, actually. Uh, the name of the firm has changed a bit over the time, but uh, the location is the same and the people around me are the same. So uh, mostly business law uh, and um, and uh, through our common uh, relations in LAW, uh, we uh, travel a lot and... Um, I always uh, like these travels, of course, and it brings me to the, to any corner of the world, even to a black stump called Darwin. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you so you were born in, in just outside Copenhagen. You you live yeah, outside. Well, in, in, yes. To, just to give us our our territory listeners a bit of an understanding of Denmark. I mean, how how big is Denmark compared to Australia? That was a, a question I was not quite prepared for. <laughs> in, um, approximately is fine. I think, I think, I think, well, approximately, I think we could find some kind of remote island out off the coast of Australia and put Denmark on that twice. We are 5.67 million people in Denmark. Um, we cover an area of about 42,000 square kilometers. So wow. it's, uh, it's tiny compared yeah. to, 
it's tiny compared to uh, to Australia. It's tiny compared to the territory, and uh, we don't have. Um, we, we all li- we are all neighbors in Denmark. I mean, if you ask a guy or somebody from the territory, you will say this is a very dense population in Denmark. Although we sometimes we have to even drive half an hour to see somebody. <laughs> wow. Massive journey. So, so, so uh, to travel from one end of uh, Denmark to the other end would take you how many hours? Six hours, I think. Okay. So that's not even done. Non-stop, with six, six, six hours non-stop driving from the southernmost part to the northern end of, 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 of Denmark. I think right. that I could do, I think we could do that in, in six or seven hours or something like that. And if I told my neighbor that, he would say, okay, yes, I know that. I had a car like that once. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's the, that's, and, and on the other, from that's from north to south, I think from east to west, it's uh, four hours or something. Okay. Five hours, perhaps. It's not big. Right. It's but not the, big. The, uh, the advantage of that is, is, of course, you can uh, duck across the border to uh, to go to Germany for the weekend, right? Which we do uh, well, not for the time being, of course, because we have been we have been grounded uh, more or less both in Germany and Denmark and, and all the other neighboring countries in Europe. But yes, you're right. Um, Hamburg, uh, from where we live, privately, Hamburg is um, is uh, three and a half hours away, including one hour on the ferry boat. Uh, Berlin is. In by, if you go by car, it's a little further away. It's perhaps four and a half hours. Stockholm is too far to go by car, but you can fly there in 40 minutes from Copenhagen. Okay. So it's not far. And uh, Oslo in Norway is about the same. I think it's a little longer, perhaps one hour in flying time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can, in fact, take the train from... Copenhagen to Malmo, isn't it in uh, in Sweden? You can, yeah, if you from Copenhagen, you can go to directly to Stockholm and to Gothenburg and to Malmo, other Swedish cities by train, by a direct train, or perhaps only change trains once. You can also hop on a train and uh, find yourself in Hamburg or Berlin by train, uh, and uh, from Hamburg uh, you will be able to to travel further by train down through Europe. Right. I have, I, I used the train to Hamburg once because I had to, to go to a meeting there and, uh, and uh, I, I thought I'd try that once. And that, that, that played out fine. That was, a, that was easy and relaxing. So. <laughs> Presume they're one of the fast trains, are they, Anders? No, no, no. That's, uh, they, are, they are rebuilding the uh, railroad right now and, and trying to improve it so that we can go by trains as fast as they have them in France, right. the TGV trains, the train grand vitesse, the very fast trains, and uh, and uh, and uh, they are preparing for for that in Denmark. But we need to do some technical updates on the railroad system. They are doing it right now. So the uh, the uh, travel time from where I live to my office is uh, roughly speaking one hour, and um, and uh, when they have uh, finalized the uh, updating of the railway system, it will be only 45 minutes or a little bit less. So that's okay. uh, going to be, that's going to be, be, uh, be very, very, very good. How many, how many kilometers is your house from the office? And is one, 100. 
100 kilometers. You live 100 kilometers away yep. from where you work. Yes. <laughs> so uh, do, you, do you go to the office every day? No. <laughs> <laughs> Cop that. <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, no, I mean, this, if, if, if I can go by, if I have a day like today where I can go by the train, it's okay because then I sit myself down and train in the early morning and, well, I have a shot eye. To be honest, and I'll or or do some reading or something like that. But if I it, if I have to um, if I have to go by by car, it's a crappy ride. I mean, because uh, going to Copenhagen in uh, in the morning, when I have gone half the way or a little more than half the way, the traffic jam begins, and uh, what should be a, a drive of uh, one hour or a little, little less than one hour from A to B will suddenly turn into one hour, 40 minutes or something. So I try to avoid using the car in the morning and in the afternoon. So mm. then I work from home. I, we've both uh, uh, buried my, my, uh, my wife and myself. Uh, we've set up home, uh, home offices so we can work from home. We have all kinds of devices to assist us. So uh, well, right now I'm in the office, but I could just as well be at home. So that's it. And, and during these COVID-19 uh, times, we have been forced to work from home uh, for six or eight weeks or something. And that went very, that went, went very well. So presumably with um, what, what I'm considering to be a large population in quite a small area, um, there's, there's been a number of sort of COVID-19 related uh, restrictions in place. Yeah, well... Um, our government, uh, our government, um, with the uh, unanimous backup of Parliament, issued uh, restrictions very early in this uh, crisis. Uh, not, not like in Great Britain or in Sweden uh, or even in America, uh, but already on the uh, I think it was the 11th March, the Prime Minister. Uh, uh, held a press conference on direct television uh, where she told us that uh, as from now <laughs> uh, you are supposed to stay at home uh, and, uh, and and don't meet people unless you unless you sincerely have to uh, uh, work from home keep your kids out of school and so on and uh, that was before we had a very serious breakout of the disease, but the, the infection numbers were going up quite fast at that time on a very low level. But, but the uh, experts said that if we don't do anything right now, then uh, it will explode between our hands. And, uh, and uh, it went up over the next, the following two weeks or three weeks, the number of, of cases went up and a lot of people were hospitalized. Uh, but, uh, and, and we have had some, uh, unfortunately, some people have died as well. But uh, the number of hospitalized people of cases have gone rapidly down again. And uh, uh, from when it was most, I think we had uh, several hundred people in hospital around uh, Denmark. Now we have only 30. And, uh, and uh, we, are, we have opened most of society again right now. And only this, the last weekend, this weekend, we uh, opened the borders to most uh, countries in the European Union. So we are allowed to 
to travel more or less more or less freely uh, right now and um, and that's uh, we, we I think also that we reached a point where it was not uh, possible to, um, to 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 keep these restrictions in force anymore because uh, being it's, it's summertime in Denmark right now it's 25 degrees and the sun is shining summer vacation is coming up and you can't keep people at home anymore and they want to go to the beach they want to go to a restaurant so something had to be done uh, the um, the um, the situation would have been a serious mug up if we had the, if we had the, kept the restrictions in force so fortunately the infection numbers have been so low that it's possible to open most of society right now Wow, that is really interesting. Uh, I, just, I honestly didn't realize that Denmark had opened up its borders. Is that because it's part of the Europe, well, part of the European Union? Or I don't, I don't actually think that has. Well, it of course has something to do with it because there is a close connection and a communication between the governments of the twenty-seven uh, member states plus UK. Um, with, by the way, <laughs> left the group. So to say, uh, <laughs> left a good company. Uh, well, uh, do we really have to? Do we really have to discuss that? <laughs> um, uh, I think so, we definitely need to go there. <laughs> yeah. As a well, well, as a well. palm-hating nation like the Australians, I think we definitely need to go there. <laughs> that's uh, that's really that's really uh, that's really not a good good. Good story about that, the Brexit shit. But uh, sorry, uh, but uh, <laughs> no. Well, I, I'm 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 very sure that our foreign minister and our minister for health services have been in close contact with their colleagues around Europe, and uh, they've decided, uh, with of course with the help of medical experts, that if a country can keep the number of new infection cases lower than twenty per one hundred thousand people per week then it's safe to go there. And Denmark has 4.6 out of the 20 right now. France has 4.5, I think. Germany is more or less the same, going a little bit up. But then if you look at, at the countries like uh, Great Britain and Sweden, I mm. think Sweden is over 70, Goodness. 70, 7, 7 mm. And uh, Great Britain is more or less the same. Portugal is also a disaster, as well as Romania. And uh, so all, all other countries, more or less all other countries have been open for Danish travelers. And it's a, it's a two-way street because um, if, for example, I want to go to, to let's say, to, to, to Holland or France or Italy, uh, the Danish government may issue a travel guide that says, okay, it's safe for you to go to Holland, for example. But if the Dutch government says, no, we don't want you, then uh, to come because we don't think it's safe. Then the border will be closed both ways. So it had to be done all over the uh, European continent, more or less at once, because you can't have a one-way street. I mean, I can go mm. through, through Germany to the French border, and then I'll then say no, thank you, non merci monsieur. Uh, they <laughs> will send me back. They will send me back again. And uh, and uh, so so we had to wait for a time to come up where. The governments could agree that now it's safe enough to allow tourists and everybody else to go. Mm. So interesting, isn't it? With um, you know, I guess it's something that's so foreign to us, Leon. Mm. That uh, that there's so many considerations when it comes to 
you know, the, the continent we have of had, Europe. Yeah, we have had the borders closed since um, end, end of March, I think, uh, mm. until, uh, in fact, last weekend or the week before we opened towards Norway, Iceland, and and uh, Germany, Iceland is a joke because it's an island, but uh, mm. in the middle of the Atlantic, it's a bit difficult to go there. But uh, we could if we wanted to. Uh, but this weekend, uh, last Saturday, they opened uh, the borders to the rest of Europe. Otherwise, we have said to people when they came to the border in uh, to our land border against Germany or our water border when they, with the ferry, they were just simply told to buzz off because we, uh, if you if you couldn't if you couldn't uh, produce a probable cause to enter Denmark, that could be you have a sick relative you need to visit, you need to go to a serious meeting or go to court or mm. <laughs> whatever, have work to do or something, then you would be told to 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 hit the road and get a, get get back in. And how have the Danish people um, felt about that? It, it's been interesting to watch a number of the nations around the world, you know, the US, Australia, uh, and it's been interesting over... The, the journey to see the, the difference in the mood and, and how people are dealing with it. How have the Danish people dealt with the borders being closed, the restricted movement, and, and the government sort of stepping in and, and putting some fairly strong directives in place? Yeah, well, um, it's, uh, that's, a good, that's what I would call a good question because uh, you would normally think Denmark being a, um, a democracy with tradition for liberal-minded people and uh, uh, we put our personal freedom first and, and, and so on. But also a, a, a country where we take care of, of each other because we, we normally are proud of, of, of the fact that we have a very good social system and, uh, and, and so on. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see how the Danes acted as a flock of lemmings because uh, they um, <laughs> uh, everybody 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 uh, <laughs> applauded applauded our uh, our prime minister for doing what she did mm. and I, personally i think it was right because she acted very swiftly uh, in march uh, avoiding a disaster in denmark like we've seen in sweden and and england but mm. uh, but it I'm a bit um, well. If can keep it between the three of us, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I'm a bit. I'm a bit surprised that uh, the Danes uh, uh, accepted being under lockdown for so long. Actually, mm. but they did, and um, I think uh, at the bottom we are all social democrats. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Don't, well, don't quote me. Don't quote me because I'm <laughs> I'm an active conservative. <laughs> well, look, that's a, it's great. Uh, it's a great segue into a, a few topics that um, I'd like to touch on with with you, Anders. And uh, the first one is politics. So oh, don't don't get me started. <laughs> you, know, you know that. <laughs> well, in in Australia, we have uh, you know we're, we're used to having two parties. Generally, you can vote for one or the other, and there's a few mm -hmm. other uh, my, minor parties uh, that can sometimes have an influence. But um, Denmark, I understand, is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, 
it's it, it it comes in waves. Right now we are on, on well, depending on how you look at it, in the top or in the bottom of a wave, because we have I think twelve or thirteen different political parties right now. Uh, last yeah. time that occurred was in the seventies, uh, late seventies and the nineteen eighties, where the left wing parties broke broke down and split into all kinds of ridiculous fractions. <laughs> uh, the old communist party we have we have, we had a for many many years we had a very stable and 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 uh, and solid communist party. You know. We they liked the Russians. They flew they flew the red flag and and uh, they sang sang the good old songs uh, and and uh, praised Brezhnev and uh, whatever they, they uh, the guy was called in the Kremlin. But uh, uh, when when uh, things got a little bit rough uh, for that system during the eighties, the, uh, the, the that part disintegrated into a small group. Well, we like the Albanians. Okay. We like the Chinese, and somebody like the North Koreans, and uh, somebody still like the Russians. And uh, no, we are more like the like the East German Communist Party. So we had suddenly we found ourselves with five or six ridiculously small mm. fractions of the left wing parties, which we on the other side of the middle line, <laughs> the liberal side, we applauded them and said, "Go it. for it, <laughs> yeah, go for it, split the votes yeah. between you." And, Keep uh, splintering. And, uh, yeah, keep splintering, <laughs> which led to the fact that from, I think, 1981 until um, and, and 12, 13 years ahead, we had, a, uh, we had a liberal government, a conservative government, actually. Then the Social Democrats had a go when, when we regrouped the forces, and then we came back. And, and, uh, but now it's happened to our side, because now we have on the, um, on the liberal conservative side, we have a number of small fractions because, you know, people start to disagree and then they, there are some personal differences as well. And, well, I'll form my own party, I will. And uh, then you can see what happens. And uh, so we have uh, small liberal parties who hasn't, hasn't got a chance to get into parliament. Somebody with four seats, which is the lowest number you can get in a general election, and, <laughs> and somebody with a little more. So it's impossible right now. It's impossible to, for many reasons, to uh, to, uh, to to form a liberal government. That's why we have a social democratic prime minister, and she's going to sit tight on the seat for many many years. I'm afraid. To. So <laughs> I, 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 I think I, you don't I, realize I, you just predicted the future in the Northern Territory uh, with what you just <laughs> described is precisely how it sits right now. Okay. So, so tell me, so, is this prime minister of yours? Is she a bit like Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand? I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know who to compare her to. But uh, I uh, she is uh, she is. Uh, I, I I have to be loyal. Being on a podcast with you guys, I have to be loyal to uh, her. <laughs> uh, she has really she has really stepped up to the task here. I mean, uh, being elected as chairman of the Social Democratic Party some years ago. I thought that's going to be a disaster for them, but she has uh, really grown with uh, with the job she took on, and uh, and she is doing uh, well. Surprisingly, I must say, uh, good right now uh, during this COVID nineteen mm. thing, and uh, and she is very popular. How, how old yeah. is she? Forty something. Oh, okay, right. I was thinking for some reason she was very, very young. Because is it is it the Finnish one that's really young? 
This, uh, I guess so. Let's yeah. see. I can, I can, I can, I can find it. If it's <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not that important. Uh, <laughs> Anders, what about uh, what about the tax system in Denmark? What's that like? Now we ha- we we were having fun, weren't we? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that dirty word, Leo. That's a dirty word. You know, you know, you know. We pay. Well, it shifts from from one year to the other, but we are always between the uh, three countries in the world who pay most taxes, uh, uh-huh. highest taxes. The marginal income tax is around fifty four, I think, right now. So it's not uh-huh. too bad. Fifty four is forty seven here. It's a progressive tax scale, and uh, well, that's uh, we've learned to live with it. And on top of that, we pay enormous taxes on brand new cars. Uh, which I, mm. I suspect you don't do that in, uh, well, we in, do, in Australia. We've got the luxury car tax here. Yeah, well, for those I'm who drive to, luxury I'm cars, go, I'm, Leon. I'm, <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was, I was going to say something like that, but I, <laughs> I try to be a nurse, nice person now. <laughs> you walked right into that one, mate. Oh, God, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so. Um, but your marginal rate of tax of fifty four percent. When does that cut in? At what uh, what amount? Four hundred forty thousand Danish. So I think. A, what about, is that in Aussie? About a hundred. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Right. So it's it's not that bad. I mean, I was thinking it was around about sixty or seventy percent. But it used sorry. to be. It used to be. We have uh, been able to lower the the marginal tax a bit uh, over the years. So that's always something. It's, t- it's still it's still a bit too much, I think. But uh, but of course we have a, we have a principle that if you if you earn a lot of money, you also have to contribute with more than with a, with a higher share, of course. So um, and what services do you get for that, Anders? Free schooling, uh, free high schools, free universities, um, free healthcare. Of course, we have private clinics and private hospitals which you pay for or can make insurances to cover. But uh, uh, normally, everything is free. You have to pay for your own dentist, though. But uh, it's uh, mm. everything else is uh, is is paid for by by from the taxes. Uh, we don't have road pricing. Uh, we pay um, we pay a bit to cross the big bridges in Denmark. We have. Uh, one well, road pricing on one of the bridges and the bridge to Sweden is also road priced and we are building a bridge to Germany right now. It will also be be something you have to pay for. Mm. Um, then we have a, um, a, a benefit for students. Uh, they are actually uh, getting paid to be educated. You can apply for a grant uh, which you can receive from the day you turn 18 and uh, and uh, even if you live at home with your parents, you just get a very low amount, but, but um, you get an allowance every month for a number of years while you are uh, educating yourself. Mm. And uh, well, I, I and we have a, we have a very uh, a very f- uh, fine social network that uh, will um, actually keep people out of poverty. I mean, if you are unemployed or sick of some kind. There's always a way you can get subsidies from some so- social welfare fair system, and uh, it works out pretty pretty fine. Uh, 
the discussion in Denmark is not whether to have it or not, but whether the level is too high or should be lowered a bit. Right. We we are all, almost in in agreement that this is a good way of doing things. And Denmark, uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Iceland are, are kind of connected through. Well, perhaps not Finland so much, but the other three are connected through language in in some way, right? Not Iceland. Not Iceland. Not Iceland. Iceland, they speak in what, what we call a Norse language, which is the old uh, language that was spoken in this region of the world many, many years ago. And they, if they are so remote that uh, they haven't been under the influence of mostly German uh, or French, but most German, like we have. So our language in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway has changed over the years. Uh, and 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 uh, we we are able to understand each other. We can we can speak. As you have probably noticed, uh, um, I saw you had Nils Nils Kai from Oslo on this podcast uh, uh, once. And um, when I call Nils on the phone or meet with him, he speaks Norwegian and I speak Danish, and uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> we can e- we can we can easily we can easily understand each other, and uh, and. Uh, and it should be the same with Swedish people, but that's a bit more difficult. Uh, mm. but, but Why is that? It's the same. It's it's a bit more different. I mean, it's uh, the dialect is. If you speak to somebody from Stockholm, you can you can pull it off. If you speak to somebody from North Sweden out into some dark wood <laughs> wood, wood, wood area <laughs> in the woods, in the deep in the deep Swedish woods, wooded area, then, yeah, then. Uh, Somebody who hasn't seen seen a living soul for decades, I wouldn't be able to understand their words. <laughs> so, that's it. Uh, but, but we should be able to, and I, that's one of my one of the things I always do when I meet Swedish people or Norwegian people. I start out by by speaking Danish, and then uh, at some time, well, after we've blown, blown the froth of a couple of beers, I think then uh, <laughs> then we'll have to, then we understand each other very very good. so um the other interesting thing about denmark i guess is that um, when you're growing up uh, and you're going to school given the geography with all the other places it's not just danish that you're learning at school is it no um well it's changed a bit actually but uh, when you reach i think the third or the fourth grade in school you need to let's be let's say be honest and say be familiarized a little bit with Norwegian and Swedish, but it's um, it has been declining. I mean, when I went to school, we had to read texts and try to speak it and so on, but they don't do that anymore. They are just listening a bit to it, and uh, and young people, even my children. I think my daughter, who is twenty seven, uh, she will be able to understand it. More or less, Norwegian for a fact I know, but but I don't know about Swedish. But but the youngest one, uh, which is only she's only sixteen, she um, well you can see the light is on, but nobody's home, and <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 she'll uh, she she speaks a fairly good English, so she'll just switch to to English, and uh, she doesn't understand a word what they're saying. 
Yeah, well, well, actually, actually, but well, actually, she does. I, I, I know she's not going to listen to this, so I can tell the story without getting <laughs> getting slaughtered when I get home. <laughs> we went to actually to visit Nils Kaya in Oslo a couple of years ago, and we brought her there when she was only fourteen. And Nils has two gorgeous sons, two young guys, and um, and she, uh, our daughter said, "I'm not going to talk, or speak a word, word with anyone because I don't understand Norwegian." And uh, it so happened that Mills and Beard and I went into the kitchen to just, well, not deliberately, but we left them alone in the living room. And when we got back, they chatted along in Danish and Norwegian because they were so nice young guys. <laughs> so why waste an opportunity to talk to a couple of nice young guys? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, Anders, about English. Uh, how prevalent is English? Um, uh, do people, is it taught in school? You know. Oh yes, oh yes. From, 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 the, from, the from the third, 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 from the third grade, I think you could easily get along in Denmark, and uh, you have to look for people who wouldn't know a word of English. I, most yeah. people can speak basic English, and uh, as I said, I'm 57. I've I my, I started out with English in fifth grade, and I think the the children start out in third grade or fourth grade right now. Mm. And uh, like in Holland, uh, we are. Well, not to boast, but I think hmm. we we are really uh, we, we're fairly good at it. I think, mm. and it's the international business language. We use it more or less on a daily basis. But it's not mm. just English and Danish. Uh, you, you seem to pick up another language or two, don't you? At least during school, you have to uh, you have to. Um, to choose between, um, you have to choose uh, whether or not to try to learn German uh, in, in basic <laughs> school, in, in, in elementary school. And some 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 uh, some parents think it's not necessary, and uh, others like myself think it's very much so necessary. So um, uh, that's uh, from 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 most children in Denmark right now. German teaching, learning to speak German is torture. Because of the the grammar is quite difficult, so I speak I speak more or less fluently German uh, because of uh, uh, interest and because of the fact that I used to do business in Germany. I still do uh, from time to time, and there's it's a big advantage when you can speak to the Germans in German. Mm. So, and on the subject, uh, just to go back a little bit to geography, because I think we were very unfair on you, uh, Anders, um, asking you how big Denmark was. I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> because uh, what we forgot uh, to include was the fact that Denmark actually owns Greenland. Well, I don't like the... Uh, I don't like... <laughs> By stealth, is that better? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Um, I don't like the term "own" uh, because if you own something, then it, you indicate that you can also sell it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, there is uh, one certain president of the United States who has uh, who thinks is in the position where he can buy it from us, so it's not for sale. <laughs> It's, uh, it used to be uh, it used to be a colony of Denmark. Then it turned into a, uh, a county uh, some fifty years ago, and and uh, recently, no, not recently, some fifteen years ago, I think twenty years ago, it, 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 they had their 
self-governing uh, regulations. So we only take care of uh, of uh, the money for them. Uh, well, we we subsidize them a lot, and uh, they use Danish money. Uh, we take care of defense and foreign policy, and uh, but healthcare, education, service for the elderly, and social security. It's all on, they're all on their own. But it's a um, it's a part of the uh, Danish kingdom, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a self-governing uh, area. It's the world's largest island, which uh, gives us uh, well a bit of size if we count that in. Uh, <laughs> we also have a, a group of uh, rock, rocks out in the Atlantic called the Faroe Islands, uh, and uh, that's also a part of the Kingdom of Denmark. They are ruled in exactly the same way. Uh-huh. So, how did you end up with Greenland, given that it's closer to the Canada than it is to Europe? That's a long, long, boring story, Leon. Uh, it's uh, out of uh, the uh, time uh, times when you um, uh, when you uh, conquered foreign countries and mm-hmm. when you went to remote parts of the world and planted your flag. And I think we are going back many, many hundred years here. And we've I'm just picturing Vikings. Ah, uh, well, it's not it's not that old, but but uh, we go back uh, many, many hundred years, and we've just been able to stick to it. Right. Uh, Norway tried to Norway tried to actually uh, hundred years ago or a little more than that to um, to get part of Greenland, but. Uh, Mm. But they want, we uh, kick them out into the water again. Now, mm. you've got a connection with Australia, um, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, there is a connection, uh, another connection to Australia um, through our very own uh, Princess Mary. I d- that just hit me. It That's right. L- literally completely forgot about it. it. just hit me when he was talking about the kingdom. I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure that's Princess Mary's territory. Not that she's in charge in any way. Not just yet, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it may well, soon it, become it the kingdom us, of it, Australia. It gives us some, 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 well, in our own right, we are being noticed in Australia for that. Yeah. I just calculated that the Danish, uh, well, given in our area, we are only zero point zero 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 five two uh, percent of australia i mean <laughs> i looked it up <laughs> australia is seven uh, seven point six trillion square kilometers or something like that and uh, we are only 40 40 000 we can't do anything with well, <laughs> given the fact that we have uh, this uh, Crown Princess, which we adore very much, and she's simply doing a great, great, great job mm. uh, from Australia. We, uh, I think, uh, Australia has been put even more on the uh, on the map and into the minds of of, of of Danish people by simply by our Crown Prince going and picking up that girl in Sydney many years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's all, that's all working out well, is it? I, I, you know, every time I walk past, uh, when I do, you know, do the grocery shopping and go into the checkout counter and sometimes you see uh, the, uh, the magazines there, although they're dwindling these days, yeah. generally there's a picture of Princess Mary and uh, is it Prince Frederick? That's right. Yeah. Crown, uh, Crown Prince, if Crown I may. Crown Prince, yeah. no less. 
uh, and it's generally the, the picture is sort of torn up on the magazine, so yeah, <laughs> indicating that there's some sort of rift going on. Is, or is that just uh, the sensational tabloids going, going berserk? Uh, I think that's only the sensational tabloids going berserk because uh, as far as we can see in, in, in Denmark and in the Danish press, which is extremely loyal to the royal family. Uh, they are getting along very, very well. They are doing a great job. And uh, and uh, she has been... They are, they are very... They're a good match for each other, if you put it like that. And um, mm. she is... Uh, the, the things she is uh, she's doing, uh, she's doing that very well. And uh, she has given him a kind of confidence with his role and the fact that he's going to be king once his mother passes away, uh, then um, uh, he's been a, become a confident crown prince and a very uh, popular family. Lovely kids. and uh, I, I sound like I'm 78 years old now, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it's uh, but you have your own royal family, so... That, you, sure. you know what I'm talking about. Well, they're closer to you than they are to us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Geographically and uh, spiritually. <laughs> but uh, well, what I, about... I usually, I, 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 if I may say, I'm a royalist, of course. I, 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 I don't think we should kick them out and uh, have a president <laughs> because I can't stand. I can't. I can't stand the fact that we should be spending a lot of money and a lot of time electing a president when we have a royal family doing the job mm. so very well, and uh, they they don't play a political role at all. It's a constitutional monarchy we have, and uh, the queen only has to sign off on the legislation passed by parliament. But uh, but uh, it's a stabilizing factor, and uh, and uh, we keep. Uh, uh, to, they keep things very stable, and and the queen manages to say. Th- things to to us that we need to hear from time to time. Also in this COVID-19 crisis, mm. she uh, did what she normally never does. And, and, and your queen did the same, went on direct television, live television, uh, give, gave a short speech and, uh, and uh, gave us some, let's say, gave the, uh, the people some optimism and encouraging words along to go with all these uh, restrictions. So mm. she's doing a really, the royal family, they're really doing a good job. It's great to hear that, actually. Uh, our, um, our, <clears throat> our royal family uh, is probably a bit love-hate with the Australians. There's, there are definitely the royalist side, um, but there's also the, uh, the, those that don't want the royals to continue, but it's, it's wonderful to hear such a positive story. Yeah, well, I mean, cr- the crown prince is the guy you would like to have a coldie with. I mean, you could, if you, if you, if you meet up with him, he's the kind of guy you want to sit down with and drink a couple of beers with him and have a chat about mm. everything. And uh, and he seems to be, he seems to be very, very easygoing. I've only met him once, and that was by accident. I almost stumbled into him in the street. One early, very early morning, morning, I went from the train station to the office and. Uh, some 50, 70 meters in front of me, the holds, the sidewalk was blocked with people and they were all standing with the back in my direction, so I couldn't see who it was. So when I get, got close to them, I almost well, said in a loud voice, can you step aside? Don't hold your meeting in the sidewalk. And then one <laughs> of the guys turned around and then that was the crown prince. And he <laughs> laughed and said, and said, of course, of course, 
we make, we make place for the working people. Have a nice day. <laughs> I, I almost fainted. I, 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 I thought I would be imprisoned for... for <laughs> Insubordination. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, look... I'll, let's uh, let's drift into uh, another topic of of great interest danish food now now you and i um you know we, we kind of bonded over this i know anders because when i came to visit you in copenhagen uh you, you said to me look um let's go out for lunch and i said okay uh, but let's go and eat what you would normally eat in Denmark for lunch. And then you proceeded to take me to a particular establishment that you can describe and you can tell us what that, what that meal was. <laughs> well, we went, we went, you went, uh, as I recall it, Leon, you, you had your lunch two different places, which was an experience to you that you will never forget either of them. Um, you asked me to take you to a place for a typically Danish lunch. So we went to a restaurant uh, where we were presented with this menu and you didn't know what was up and down of it, of course, because it was a Nordic, a Nordic menu. So you got yourself um, <laughs> a piece of rye bread, uh, an open sandwich, I think it's called in English, with... Um, uh, butter spread on it, and then pickled herring, uh, raw mm-hmm. onions, and uh, and some other vegetables. And um, and uh, I tried to uh, convince Leon to have uh, to have a beer and uh, and the schnapps. I think he had the schnapps, but not the beer. And um, and uh, after that, uh, I think we ordered uh, another open sandwich with uh, very mature cheese. I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was like dessert that, or something. <laughs> that was that was the, that was a nice dessert, and uh, and uh, I think that was uh, the day before you had to leave to go back home to Australia, and you called me a couple of days later and said you could still taste it. So <laughs> the the cheese, Pete, was yeah. so old, mm-hmm. right? They it, literally it was, had to pour alcohol over it <laughs> to kill the germs. Wake it up. <laughs> That's 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 that that's right. If you if you have in Denmark in those traditional restaurants, if you have a sandwich with really really mature cheese, then you are served with a drink of rum to pour over it, and uh, with very very strong mustard as well, raw wow. onions. Oh yes, yes, it was uh, definitely a. Uh uh, definitely something to remember, but um, look, I have to say the, the the food in Denmark is quite interesting, and even going to the supermarket, for example. I mean, over here, Pete, you know, you go to Woolies or Coles, mm. you go and pick up a chicken. You know, what are we talking about? Six, seven dollars, maybe. Yeah, yeah, ten bucks, maybe. Ten bucks, okay. Mm. Um, in Denmark, you go to buy a chicken. It's like twenty six dollars. I have to. There's not much to, space to grow too many chickens. I have to. I have to. I have to correct you there because uh, the one you are talking about <laughs> to be, we went especially for an organic organic one, 
and uh, if you buy a non a non a traditionally bred chicken, I think you can. <laughs> it's, it's more or less the same price. But but when you when, but when you in, as in Australia, but when you cook it, it shrinks to absolutely nothing. And, uh, and so, I, I, I wanted I wanted to get a, a high quality uh, piece of poultry here, so it had to be this expensive chicken. So this, this was very good. This chicken, I'm not kidding, Pete. It looked. Amazing! I have never seen a more sensational bird in my life. Like every single speck of it was just clean. There was no like you know sort of random feathers or you know it's just absolutely beautiful. Mm. And Anders was trying to tell me that it was a what did you say, Anders? What sort of chicken was it? It was uh, organic. Organic, right. So Anders was trying to tell me organic, mm. but he couldn't remember the word, the English right. word for organic. So he was saying, he said, this is an ecological chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Made in a laboratory the somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Uh, now we've had some really interesting conversations like that, where English has become, um, you know, quite, uh, um, quite humorous. And mm. the other time that occurred, uh, Anders, Barrett, uh, Cindy, and I were uh, were riding a tram, tram car. Uh, sorry, a cable car in Hong Kong. Um, and I actually, I can't even remember the name of the island, Lantau <laughs> Island or something. Right now, Hong Kong is an interesting. Have you been there before, Pete? I have. Yeah. Right. So, I didn't realize how much the temperature can vary in Hong Kong. Right. So we were there in January, which is still not too bad. I mean, it's not too cold yep. on the ground. You know, it's maybe seventeen, eighteen degrees mm. on the ground. But when you take this cable car and you go up to Lantau Island, mm. it gets extremely yeah, yeah. cold. At the top of Lantau Island was like four degrees. Right. Yeah. Right? Okay. But it's even worse when you're taking the cable car because the wind is blowing and there's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it wind was chill factor. Wind chill factor. So yeah. there was Anders and Barrett, uh, Cindy and I, in, in this cable car. Uh, but, you know, two kilometers off the ground, it was ridiculously high. Mm. And we had this wind blowing through. And I thought the Danish would have been a lot more hardy than us but no they were just as cold as we were right <laughs> so when we went to when we got to the top we went into a shop and we bought the most charming uh, uh clothes clothes and beanies <laughs> i mean we were really being fleeced up there because yeah the yeah <laughs> 10 times the normal price <laughs> but what was interesting was we were using um a a, a, a translator i had my phone with me and yeah. I was I was writing stuff in English and converting it to Danish. Yep. Right. Uh, and so I, I wrote in English. Um, I'm we're freezing our asses off up here, <laughs> and I converted it to Danish, and it came out as. We're freezing our donkeys off up here. <laughs> so that's, of course, that, that has that has really become a standard phrase in our family. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must be cold if you're freezing your donkey off. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was so, really, really cold. <laughs> so all those uh, fantastic experiences led us mm. to, in fact, Anders had invited us uh, over to, to um, Copenhagen. So we, we've, we've been there. We stayed at his place, and it was quite lovely. That's where we had the ecological chicken. <laughs> now, now when now Leon telling telling funny stories about about the Danish, I have to share with you one thing from that visit. Leon is mentioning right now because, as I started out saying, I'm living in the countryside and um, oh, yes. in this big old house, a yes. big old house, and it's only <laughs> it's only two minutes walk away from the uh, the edge of the woods. I mean, we have a we have a big forest. Uh, right in our backyard, actually, mm. and uh, and uh, being being a territory guy like Leon, you always are very cautious about leaving your home. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you whenever you open the door, you 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 look, have a look around. Is something <laughs> that can that can bite you? You won't leave your boots outside unless they are turned upside down. Uh, <laughs> what about that? That little green frog up there on the wall is that is that venomous or something like that? You don't lean you you don't lean against the tree. And, uh, don't touch the ground. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. So uh, so when uh, we they came to when these uh, Aussie people came to Denmark in the countryside, they kept their arms to the close to the body. I can tell you and. Um, and we wanted to take them for a walk in the through that forest, and we had a good walk. And uh, Leon went along with us. He went in the middle of the road. I can tell you, <laughs> no, uh, nothing. And I had to. I had to explain to him: you can walk into between the trees. Uh, no snakes, no crocs, no nothing. Uh, nothing will kill you. Nothing will bite you or kill you or sting you or drag mm -hmm. you down, or eat you alive or whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want to climb a tree, do it. If you if you <laughs> if you want to pick a flower, then do it. And when we got back into our garden, um, I have a picture somewhere showing Leon picking an apple or a pear from one of our trees in the garden, and you just pick it down and eat it right away. And uh, that's Beautiful. one of the difference because I've been in Darwin a couple of times, and uh, you're really on the lookout for <laughs> whatever whatever's moving on the ground. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that, Anders, because uh, because you you then came out to Darwin. You brought uh, Barrett and Clara out to Darwin. That was your first time to Australia, and I think it that's was right. uh, it was this time about was it maybe three or four years ago? It was in seventeen years. Three years, ago. three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. Uh, did what was your what were your expectations when you came out? What, what were you thinking? I've been to the US several times, and uh, I had no uh, idea of what to expect, other than uh, I knew that we were going to a warm place, and uh, that uh, that uh, we were going to a, a, a more remote part of Australia than Danish people normally would visit. Uh, on their first visit, and uh, so I, 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 I and, and what, whatever we know about Australia and Denmark, if you haven't been there yourself, is from from television or or even movies like Crocodile Dundee or, or this Australian movie and whatever they were called, those big movies. Mm -hmm. So whatever, well, somebody would perhaps expect that everybody would be wearing their Coopers and uh, and carrying around stuffed uh, crocodiles. <laughs> and, and, and say and saying, "Good on you, mate." 
but well, we had a we had a very good uh, experience there in 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 Darwin, and and what fascinated us, and what we're still talking about, are, are the uh, the uh, trips or expeditions uh, we made into the uh, into the uh, parks, into the Kangaroo National Park, especially and. Uh, this uh, magnificent nature, scenery, scenic nature we, we have in, in in the territory. That's very amazing. And uh, we went for a couple of days to um, to Uluru, and um, which is was a good trip down there. But uh, it was worth the money and worth the time spent. Really a big experience. So um, mm-hmm. yes, I'll tell you one definitely a place to go back to. <laughs> One of the interesting things about uh, you said your expectation or what the the Danish people would typically know of Australia and particularly remote Australia, I think I'd be right in saying, Leon, that um, even a lot of Australians would have a similar thought process to that because I know, you know, friends of mine from the south who probably wouldn't know much more than than you knew going there for the first time. Yes, yes. I mean, and is one of the things about going to a place like Uluru, for example, uh, you know, you had that dinner out in the stars, didn't you? At the, That's right. You? That's yeah. right. Yes. Mm. Yes. Have you ever seen so many stars in your life? No, and I, I probably <laughs> never will again. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's just an amazing. It's just you can't imagine what you can actually see when it's yeah. when it's pitch black. I I went to a um. I went to a dinner um, in Alice Springs uh, a few years ago now. It was after a conference that I'd attended um, at an old, like, disused, I'm going to say, postal station. It was probably half an hour's drive and, you know, we were in the sand basically. Same sort of thing, outdoor, under the stars. And, yeah, I just – I mean, I, I've, I've been in some remote parts of Australia where there's no city lights and there's nothing to obstruct the, the view of the – um, you know the sky and and the the scenery, as it were. But I, I've not. I, I went to the states and I didn't pay particular attention to uh, the sky at night. But anyone who's come to Australia and spent time in remote parts and looked at the sky, all universally say um, that the view is just an amazing thing and one that's just never seen in the northern hemisphere. Hmm. Yes, and, and Clara got to go to school as well. She spent a couple of days or a day going to school uh, with Caitlin. Oh, that's wow. right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, oh, we wow. never, we, we, we didn't expect her to uh, to pick that challenge up, but she did, and she had a good time uh, yeah. that day in school. And uh, she was really able to 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 tell her her schoolmates something very different when when she got back to Denmark. Mm. I can tell you that. But one so, thing. Yeah, one thing I learned about uh, Anders uh, and the Danish, I guess, when they came out to Australia, is because they're cooped up for nine months of the year in, in you know, in, in cold. Yeah. When the sun comes out, they want to be out there as much as possible. And right, you and I right. both know what uh, what uh, June, July is like here yeah, in Darwin. Yeah. It's the coldest time of the year for yeah, us, right? Yeah. These guys were in the pool every day, you know, uh, and then sunning themselves uh, if they weren't actually in the waters. <laughs> well, Anders said before, and I sort of picked up, and I was going to make a smart-ass comment, but I chose not to. Um, 
the fact that they're enjoying their beautiful summer at the moment with 24, 25 degrees. I'm thinking, well, in Darwin, that's actually chilly as. Yeah, yeah. I know you were wearing your 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 fleece jackets. At 25. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it's actually it's actually actually only 18 or 19 degrees today, and uh, that's a bit chilly for even for us. But you're right, Leon. Uh, when we hit, uh, let's say, the end of September. Uh, the days are getting very short. Uh, it's starting to rain. It's getting cold. We are, mm. could have real winter with a lot of snow. Uh, two years ago, we had snow uh, in April, actually, or a lot of snow in April. And uh, and then uh, we need to go as far into the spring as uh, mid-April before the days get so long that you can talk about real spring, actually. So we have uh, eight, seven, eight, nine months in moist, cold, windy, shitty weather. <laughs> and uh, and that's why we when we go to 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 the northern territory in um, what's our summer and your winter, so to say, it's uh, it's uh, it's a paradise for us. Mm. And uh, now, last year I went to Darwin in November. That by the end of November, that's in the wet, and um, and uh, it was also nice, but but warmer, of course. So, yeah. Yes. I want to talk about that for a second too, because you came back in you came back in November uh, last year mm. for a very short visit. No, I need I need to I need to tell it. Tell us, uh, you say expectations in about the first visit. Yes, I, you had you had told me, and and I I you're quite right that Aussie people are very uh, uh, inviting and and you enjoy a great hospitality, and uh, I. You 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 emailed me or texted me or called me. I think a week before we were going to leave for for that summer vacation of ours, and said, "Well, the day after you arrive or two days after you arrive, we are having a uh, get together in the law firm, and uh, we want you to come with us." I think you just sent me an email or an SMS or something, and uh, then I said, "Oh shit!" Then I need to bring a suit and a tie. <laughs> uh, uh oh! <laughs> and and I remember I called I called you I think I called you actually and say what's the dress code? And then you said relax, mate. You're in Darwin. <laughs> Territory. So we went, yeah. So we went in our flip flops and uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, sh short trousers and uh, we had a lot of beer and uh, and uh, and it was a big Barbie and uh, so everything was fine. <laughs> Very you know, relaxed. Uh, I the nicest I, firm, the nicest party in a law firm I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being very kind. Hey, and as I, I, well, I, Pete, I forgot to tell you that uh, when we went to um, Copenhagen, I was thinking, ah, oh, what can I take Anders from Australia? Um, and then I had this uh, idea, uh, and I and I, and I got an Akubra, right? Mm. And so we took it all the way to Denmark. It's quite a big box, uh, and. And he didn't know it was coming, and uh, I gave it to him. He opened it, pulled it out, and the biggest grin you've ever seen <laughs> on anybody's face. He was like all his Christmases came at once. He uh, he, he right. literally fell in love in front of my very eyes. But <laughs> <laughs> they're a good hat. And, and I, of course, still got it, and I, 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 uh, I use it uh, quite frequently. And it's been in, it's been in the rain, it's been in all kinds of weather, and it's just, it's just getting more and more beautiful mm -hmm. as I, as I wear it. 
<laughs> and, 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 but didn't you tell me you wore it one day and somebody in Denmark on the other side of the street sort of uh, yelled at you? Yeah, well, I, I've, yes, that's right. Because it's uh, it's very uncommon in Denmark to wear a hat at all, and uh, and if, if so, so and even wearing an, an Aussie hat is uh, well, the ones that people buy when they go to Australia or buy something that should look Australian is that's some kind of fake fake Aussie hats, leather leather things and so on with uh, fake with fake crocodile teeth stuck into it. <laughs> you never you would never you would I think you would almost never see a real Akudra in, in, in Denmark. And um, mm. and, and uh, when you when you see it and when you know what it is then people comment it and say, Wow, where did you get that one? Isn't it a real Akubra? And so, <laughs> I thought I thought the guy wow. said, Who's that idiot wearing that hat up there? <laughs> I thought that's what you told me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Because you look like a cowboy. <laughs> but, uh, but, but then, I went, but before Leon, before Leon incriminates me anymore, I'll just have to say I think I was wearing my Blundstones, uh, my Blunnies, and uh, that day, and uh, perhaps even my my Slim Dusty T-shirt. So. Wow, <laughs> that, that would be one Aussie well out of his comfort zone. I would say. Well, <laughs> yes, Anders is definitely. I don't know what the uh, Australian equivalent of an Anglophile is, but that's uh, that's Anders. He, he he loves anything Australian. He's a big fan of Slim Dusty. Wow. Um, he once dropped this on me, and I got to tell you, I was shocked. <laughs> um, you know, we're having a conversation. It was here in, when Anders was in Darwin, and. I was talking about somebody who was, you know, a few sandwiches short of a picnic, let's just say, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Andy said, oh, there's a few kangaroos loose up in the top paddock. <laughs> I was, I oh, was shocked. Shocked. I, I, had pract- I had practiced for about, I had practiced that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's... Because that's pretty good, not just to get the expression right, but to get the, you know, it's quite situational as well. To get the, the right context is brilliant. Yeah. So, but I have to tell you this last story before we uh, let Anders get back to work. And that is um, when Anders came to Darwin in November last year, we had a little function in, in the office uh, to welcome all the delegates. And as you well know, Pete, November. Great yeah. time of the year for you know build up, but yeah, on nice the positive side, <laughs> mangoes. Mangoes right. are out and about. Oh wow, mangoes! Yes. So uh, I got the the, the Bowens all sliced up and diced up and looking mm. beautiful on a platter, and I took it around to everyone. We got to Anders, <laughs> and I made sure I had the camera on, and <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I said, Anders, have a go at this. He stuck it in his mouth, and you know this is a this is a PG rated podcast. <laughs> but to tell you that he had an orgasmic experience would be an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> a good a good mango can do that. Uh, yeah, I don't think you tasted anything like that before, had you, Anders? No, that that was the best mango I've ever had. That's right. <laughs> so, well, I, and whatever has. I think I told you this story, Leon. Um, I, I I bought some vegetables uh, when I was in Dubai once upon a time, and I thought 
I thought I'd try because in the supermarkets over there, you can buy fruit and veg from all over the world. You can choose, you know, where you want to get them from. And I'd, I'd never tried um, European vegetables. Not that they're necessarily going to be any different because it was just, you know, the stock standard veggies that we have, but they were just, these ones happen to be from Belgium, from memory. And I just remember thinking, and Anders, please don't take offence when I say this, but I just remember thinking they were quite tasteless in, in comparison with, with what yeah. we're used to. So, And it was no different with the fruit that I'd buy there as well. So I can imagine, a, you know, I mean, a territory mango is sublime anyway, but I can imagine if, if you, you were used to the more um, uh, sort of bland-tasting European fruits and veggies, this would just blow your socks off. The difference, the difference is that your veggies are ripe in the sunshine and not in a, in a warehouse. So right. when, we go, when we go to uh, the southern part of Europe, to the Mediterranean area, uh, we experience the same Yep, they just taste are more, much more tasty and and uh, and better in, in France and Italy. Yep. Okay. So, so that's hey. it. That's that. I think that's the secret. Makes total sense. Right. Well, and as I can tell you right now on this podcast or off this podcast, you're welcome. Uh, you and Barrett and Clara are welcome to come back to Darwin anytime. We very yeah. much look forward to having you back here at some stage. And if and and if it's then my goes goes the other way around as well. So <laughs> yes. So we'll let you get back to work, Anders. But thank you very much for spending some time with us so, here on this podcast. It, it was a pleasure. I'll uh, I'll uh, do some work now, and then I'll head home and jump into my RM Williams jeans and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> for a walk in those woods with your Cooper hat. That's right. That was Anders Stoltenberg on the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you again next time. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.